0: Hey everybody, uh, I'm Ruthie. I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon and um, recovering bulimic and an addict, also. Uh, first of all, thank you, Bonnie, for those kind words. I'm very nervous. <sighs> Let me try to take a deep breath here. Get out of the way. Um, Bonnie is one of my heroes in the program. She is um, a phenomenal member of Alanon who really um, works a, a phenomenal program and and has been there for me when I'm in big trouble I call Bonnie um, she knows that I, I miss her but I, I know she's where she's supposed to be right now in New Mexico Um also want to thank the IDAA committee and Mary Beth for the honor of being here and, and speaking and I hope I can um, you know share experience strength and hope Um to give you a, a little bit of um I guess background about me, um, I was born in Toronto 51 years ago, and um I'm the middle child of uh, Holocaust survivors, so I'm Jewish, and um I don't know of any alcoholism in my family of origin, but then again, I only know of two parents because everybody passed away. I don't really have much of a family history, medical history. Um Except for my mom and dad, who were not alcoholic, but of course, there could have been alcoholism in in people who um, who died in, in concentration camps um but it it did to me um there was a dynamic in the family um, my brother, younger brother, and my older sister and I were all heroes, and I know you know that terminology we we're all super super responsible. Um, it wasn 't a message necessarily put on our shoulders, but I think we just unconsciously um didn't want to cause any trouble for my parents wanted to be um as i said responsible and um make them proud and not cause any grief um in in their lives so that that dynamic of being um the hero started very, very young um I I remember having a, a happy childhood. Um just I had one aunt. Uh my parents both lost everybody except my, my mother had one sister that survived. And um so she was my only um kind of like a grandmother figure. I never met my grandparents. And um we were very, very, very close and, and I felt a lot of love. Um, when I graduated from high school, grade thirteen actually, in Toronto um, my parents said this was kind of the the custom that you could have a trip to Israel for the summer, and I went to Israel with a college group and met a fellow from Charlotte, North Carolina. I had never even heard of Charlotte North carolina it's hard to believe and um, fell in love and after a year at the University of Toronto, transferred to college in uh, Greensboro, which I never heard of and um just there was a program there that I thought I would like to study. So I remember coming to Charlotte with my luggage and this um, boyfriend um, driving me to Greensboro, dropping me off at the dorm and saying goodbye. I did not know a single soul in Greensboro. Nobody in Toronto went out of town to go to college in those days. And I was certainly the only Jewish person, I, I felt like, and, and just cannot believe the culture shock. But it turned out good. Um, after a year of school there I, I I married this fellow, and then, after graduating from Greensboro, settled in charlotte and um, trying to you know keep the issues straight here um, but I um developed a horrific eating disorder and um really really years of um, a very low bottom, a very low bottom, but you know this was many years ago, nobody talked about it. I didn't even know what I had and um, in the twenty three years ago found myself in my first twelve step fellowship, which saved my life um, and truly um, found unconditional love and support and tools and um, I, I went to my first meeting, this twelve step fellowship. And knew that I was at home I, I was just so grateful, I was so empty, spiritually bankrupt that um I was so thirsty and hungry for what I found there. I was hooked, that was it, that was it. I was home finally um, It helped me tremendously, except i think I guess I still had some some steps on the journey to go and i I developed a problem with um a particular drug and um it was so serendipitous that my my sponsor in that first twelve step program um, was also in another twelve step program and gradually led me there so twenty two years ago I entered my second twelve step program to get help with that problem and um, again knew that I was at home and and thirsty is is or hungry for the for the spirituality and the spiritual food is an understatement because I went to a meeting every day and on days when I was able to I went to um, Three or four meetings a day on the weekends. If I was able to get childcare, um, I just could not get enough. And and I remember I, I was working in a facility, and one of my coworkers, it was a twelve-step treatment center, um, said, "You're you're still going to a meeting every day, and it's been ten years. You know what is wrong?" But I was just so hungry uh, for for everything that I got there. Um, had two children, and that marriage did not make it um, after ten years in the other two fellowships the, the marriage still did not make it um 4 years later i met my husband george and um we married um i'm getting this a little bit wrong i'm very nervous i'm sorry but um so that brought me to my third 12 step program of al anon and i just have loved the the caduceus group we had a caduceus al anon group that Bonnie spoke of um and just i have, have such good friends from that group and and really um felt like it was, um, again, the spiritual food that I really needed and friends that I made were um, just lifelong friends. Um, so that gives you a little bit of background. When I talked with Mary Beth about my subject today, um, she told me the theme of the conference, and I was trying to figure out a way to share with everyone about my journey in, um, in self-esteem um, because that was probably as the as the professionals say the core issue uh, for me and um it something that's important for me to say is that in in the meetings i think that the fellowship and the support and the knowing i'm not alone and and the telephone and my my meditation and my journaling you know all these things have been priceless but i really really feel like the recovery is in the steps so uh, I I I'll always want to share with with um with newcomers that yes yes you know I felt so much better just walking in the rooms but the true true recovery was a byproduct of getting a sponsor and working the steps and it's just so important to share that um for me as you can tell by the the journey with the three fellowships um it's really been like peeling an onion with layers um I'm a very, very, very slow learner, and I think my feelings were so stuffed or um, um, frozen. That's an understatement. (laughs) Um, It it took me years to just unthaw the feelings and begin to identify the feelings and learn about what was in there. And then I could start the work, so it was just incredible. so I felt loved, and, and that was one of the important things when I came to the rooms. I felt unconditional love, and, and I once heard a slogan that people in the rooms love me so I could learn to love myself, and I can really identify with that. Um, but the, there was a real obstacle for me, and, and maybe some of you can identify with this. Um, I felt like humility, which was a quality I was supposed to have, meant I'm less than. I I really misunderstood, and and for many, many years in in the program, I felt like in order to be humble, I have to say I'm I'm less than. And that that was not hard because I felt less than. In fact, I used to say my self-esteem is not zero, it's negative, and and I really felt that. Um, So as I started to plunge into the steps and and continue the journey, um, what came up with that onion peeling was this low self-esteem. And I guess maybe a better word would be self-hatred, I um, have to say. And, um, oh, my God, how painful it was as it started to come to the surface. It was agonizing. It was such emotional pain. And, um, you know, I knew, I knew that there was something very wrong there and, and that this was an issue I was going to have to work on. And all the steps are important, but steps six and seven were the keys with the self-esteem um and and i i love all the steps but i i have to say i'm a little bit more partial there i think 6 and 7 are my favorites i use them on a daily basis so when i started to feel this self-hatred more and more coming to the surface and being exposed and this horrible pain i i use step 6 and 7 rigorously um just you know every day you know god this doesn't feel good i i want it removed and and i'm humbly asking you to remove it and um I, I wanted just a little tangent here. I used to think step six and seven were really one step, and that Bill Wilson just wanted an even number, so he he kind of divvied it up and um I always hear good things at meetings and um I went to a meeting out of town, and um I realized that 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 they are very separate and very crucial steps um that this Stella gave the the metaphor: If you want to grow tomatoes, you have to clear the land and plant the seeds, and water and fertilize. But who grows the tomatoes? The higher power. So six, I have to make the ground ready, but then I have to ask my higher power to actually remove the self hatred. And uh, so that that was very helpful for me. So I want to say that once I really applied step six and seven to the self hatred. Amazing things started to happen, and I know that they're not a coincidence. Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Um, I may not have known at the time, but I'm looking back now and seeing all these things that started happening that were just miraculous, no no other way to put it. Um, I was going to share two or three of the incidents that happened, but there were so many that contributed to the self-esteem issue. Um, one was uh, my sponsor at the time was um charlie she's not my current sponsor i've had four um, and she said, "Ruthie, I want you to talk to yourself. I want you to talk to little Ruthie. I know that sounds like that you know inner child stuff, and I said, "No, no, no, that's silly, that's dumb and she said, "No, I really want you to do that and I had no idea where that was coming from, and at the time, I worked uh in Rock Hill, which is about 45 minutes from Charlotte, so I had this opportunity to ride in the highway um, with no traffic lights and, you know, nobody beside me, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. She keeps telling me I need to do it, so um, I will talk to little Ruthie. had no idea what was going to come out. I'm having a conversation talking to little Ruthie, and wow, we're talking burning bush experience. Um I had no idea, I didn't have an itinerary or an agenda for what I was going to say, but what came tumbling out was, you are beautiful, you are wonderful, you have a spark of God in you, how can you not love yourself? And it was, like I said, it was a burning bush experience. Um, I, I think a lot of that was connected to the body image, eating disorder stuff. I really hated my body, and I hated myself, and I wasn't perfect. And all of a sudden, something clicked inside of me. How can I not love myself if there's a spark of God in me? And it it was truly a a moment of clarity and a a miracle for me. Um, And it all came from, you know, God working through my sponsor. Um, Another really um, interesting component of my self-hatred, as as I mentioned a minute ago, was that perfectionism. Um, And it wasn't just body image. It was perfectionism about everything across the board, and um i use 6 and 7 on that as well um one other piece i could talk for about 2 hours on self-esteem obviously but um i had a a really bad people pleaser streak and uh i i kind of realized today that i didn't love myself so i needed approval on the outside and if i could start to love myself on the inside then i wouldn't need to be a people pleaser so um I had a, a situation where uh, I was working and I had a, a babysitter um and one day my babysitter said uh she gave on the weekends for somebody else who was kind of prominent in Charlotte and she said this other woman had asked if she could work for her during the week something coming up and um I said uh, um Well, you know, she'll, she'll call you. And so the woman called me and, and I answered the phone and she said, I need your, your, I need Frances to work for me in about a month for, um, during the week when, when she usually works for you. Would that be okay? And I said, oh yeah, sure. That'd be fine. Well, the minute I hung up the phone, I knew that was the people pleaser in me because it wasn't okay. I needed my babysitter so I could work. And, um, I talked with my support people in my meetings and one fellow, said, Ruthie, you're a people-pleaser par excellence, and you really need to call that woman back and tell her it's not okay. So I mulled over that for a couple of days, and I thought, well, I have no choice. I have to do it. Something inside was just not feeling right. So it was very difficult because I was the big people-pleaser. I called the woman back, and I said, I-, I wasn't in touch with my feelings at the time, and actually it's not okay that you borrow my babysitter because I-, I need her to work. And she said, "Well, something." And I hung up. Well, I felt like committing suicide after I hung up the phone because I thought, "Oh my God, what have I done? Oh, I, I can't believe it." But then, about an hour later, I felt ten feet tall, and I'm five foot four. And I—that was—that was the first time I realized there was a connection between letting go of people pleasing and healthy self esteem and filling the inside so I don't need that external approval um, because I'm so empty on the inside. So all these things started happening once I dove in with six and seven to the self-hatred. But the final piece that was just so valuable was, um, he wouldn't mind me using his first name, Grady. He was a a fellow in one of my 12-step meetings. And he he was like a fatherly figure to me, and he would listen to me in meetings, and he would... um, he picked up on the self-hatred. I don't think it was hard. And he came after me and he said, Ruthie, humility is not you're less than. Humility is I'm enough. He said, it took me months of him pounding this into me. He said, um, you know that to say you're better than is not humility. But to say you're less than is just as bad. Well, this was revolutionary to me. Um, He said, humility is I'm not less than, I'm not better than, I'm enough. And it finally it finally clicked. And all this happened around the same time. So, again, that's why I know it's not a coincidence. Um, And it just opened the door and allowed me to love myself unconditionally. And, you know, I know in the program, in, in all the three fellowships I go to, we talk about there's a hole right here. And we, we use, um caretaking and people pleasing and we use alcohol and we use food and we use drugs, et cetera, et cetera. Sex, power, everything to fill that hole and it, it doesn't work because it's not what's supposed to fill that hole. And, uh, I always heard that love, feeling that your higher power loves you unconditionally is supposed to lo- fill that hole. But for me, it's not just that. It's also loving myself unconditionally has to has to fill that hole and and that's been so helpful for me so my my new definition um, of humility is what I said earlier is i'm enough um, so as I said a moment ago um the first marriage ended, and um I I was just lucky and wonderfully happy, and uh, uh, George came into my life, and and we've been married almost 10 years, and it's just been such a gift, this this journey with him, and and opening the door to Al-Anon for me has been wonderful. Um, Also, I I didn't mention a career that that started towards the end of the first marriage, um, and and I went back to school and got my uh, master's in social work, and I'm in private practice, specializing in eating disorders, chemical dependency, depression, able to help girls with that um, self-hatred. And I'm only enough if I'm skinny or I'm only enough if I'm whatever. And, and so it's just so neat to be able to, sh- to to help women and girls accept themselves and love themselves physically, mentally, and spiritually. Um, so that's why when Mary Beth talked with me, I wanted to some way steer my subject into... Um, Loving self and feeling I deserve joy, um, and it's definitely been a journey. I don't want you to think I've arrived. I was talking to Bonnie a few minutes ago at the table with the other ladies, and we were joking about um, some things where I still didn't have the courage to express my feelings or share my my uh, feelings uh, um, if I didn't like something. So I, I'm I'm still on that journey, but um, I know that it's the right road, and and I know that I'm. Reconnecting with myself and accepting and loving myself is is the right thing. Um, so recovery has given me a career, a wonderful marriage. Some sad things have happened, and I have the tools to deal with them. My sister passed away um, a couple years ago from breast cancer, and that was that was a horrible ordeal. Um, but the best present is 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 me. I got myself, and and I'm just very grateful. Um, so I'm hoping that I have said something that you guys can identify with. Um, So if someone asks me what would be a synonym for recovery, I guess I would say balance, you know, balance in life, balance. It's not I'm not less than, I'm not better than, I'm enough. So even with ego and self-esteem, it's balance. Um, So, again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to to be here and share. And um, I think that, I don't know, Bonnie shared it. This is my eighth IDAA, and I just, it goes too quickly. There's so much going on. I wish we could have two weeks, or, or have it every six months. It's just been a wonderful uh, weekend or week so far. Um, hope you guys have a good IDAA rest of the days. Thank you.